Missouri, Atlanta, Georgia, <clears throat> Buffalo, New York, uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, Houston, Texas, Indianapolis, Indiana, Speaker, Kansas, Jackson, Mississippi, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Orlando, Florida, Detroit, Michigan, Hampton, Virginia, Newark, New Jersey, Chicago, Illinois, Los Angeles, California, and Kansas, Missouri, home of the ninth, the what's that, the 2020, 2023 Kansas City Super Bowl Gym in Chiefs. Welcome to the Missouri Chamber of Commerce for a beautiful November 11th, 2023. My name is Alan Fox, your host and creator, along with Elder Alan Lyles and Threshold Elder Lyles. Let me tell you, happy Valentine's Day to you. Valentine's Day, really, Brother Ira? Yeah, well, I know. 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 I being all you've done for our country, you know, and the lives and, and your touch. And as, uh, as I was, we were joking earlier this morning, uh, Reverend Lyles was a medic in, in the Vietnam War, and he came home, continued to save his souls at the EMS route for St. Louis. And then he also is also saving your souls now. So he's been in that soul business for a long, long time. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so, so we, want, we, we want to continue to thank you guys for all that you do and continue to do. You know what I mean? And I just have to be around all of you beautiful people. And I know my brother uh, served, you know, in the, back in the, in the Vietnam War. He's on, he was on a submarine in the Navy. And I found out this morning, okay, that he was a bubblehead, right, Scott? Bubblehead, that's right. He's a bubblehead, okay. Well, I'm going to talk more about the bobbleheads later on in the program, but also we're going to thank all the beautiful people. And also, if you join us short, it will be uh, Mr. Chuck the Third. And right now, we are broadcasting live on Fruits and USA, HotTogger.com, a beautiful with the tears. That's in North County, St. Louis, and in St. Louis City itself. Uh, we're broadcasting and from Orlando, Missouri. As a matter of fact, we can be heard also and seen on Facebook. YouTube and Twitch live. And also you can order my podcast at Odyssey, uh, Spotify, any way you can get your podcast, we can be found in all those places. We thank you for joining us every Saturday and listen to us, you know, and we appreciate you more than you ever could think of. But also right now, before we go any further, we're about to have prayer with Elder Alan Lyles, pastor of Waldo Park Mountain Chapel Church. Located in North St. Louis at 5574 Millen Avenue. That's at Central Missouri 6320. And I'm happy to see Alan Lyles and be out the message this morning. He's also passing the Walnut Park Bible Chapel Church. By the way, I said morning and afternoon. He's located at 5574 Millen Avenue. Uh oh. 54. 55. 5547. 47, okay. You, 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 you said you, you changed the 4 to the 7. And the, and the, I, did, I did that once before. I did that once before, okay? <laughs> it's 47. 47, Northern Avenue. And that's in St. Louis, Missouri. 61, 2, and 1 more time
prayer with Elder Alan Lyles, with the pastor of the Walnut Point Bible Chapter Church, located at 554747 Lillian Avenue in North St. Louis at 6112. Did I get it right there, Real? Yep. Okay. Name is Rev. Uh, 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 Reverend Trust this morning. She wants to hear a prayer. What do you got for us this morning? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for waking us up this morning. You didn't have to, but you did. And Heavenly Father, we know that everything is in your hand. And we thank you for keeping us out of harm's way. And Heavenly Father, we know that we want to have a wonderful fellowship with you this this afternoon. And Heavenly Father, everything is in your hand. And, and the gospel will go forth. The souls continue to get saved before it's ever too late by believing the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they pass from death until life before they sleep and after they sleep. And that's their way to heaven before they sleep and after they sleep. In Jesus' most precious name, and bless the sick all over the universe, too. And, and every, thank you for working everybody up this morning so that they can hear this wonderful word. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. Thank you very much, Reverend. Uh, you know, in the pastor, you know, one of the things that uh, you said morning, and I was saying morning, this time change right now is kind of, been an adjustment for me this, this this year for the first time in a long time. And so you have that same problem, you had that same problem. So okay, real let's get busy here. All right, our topic today, I got a whole I got about twenty five scriptures for y'all. I'm gonna shorten it up and make it okay. sweet and to the point. Okay. <laughs> okay, we ready for you, Rip. Okay, the topic is the present evil world. Whoa. That's the topic. And while this is the dispensation of grace and God's purpose, doing it is to gather out a people for his name, the church. The mm. world out of which the church is being gathered is called the present evil age. Galatians 1.4. You turn to Galatians 1.4 and you see what Galatians 1.4 said. Who gave himself for our sins? Talking about Jesus Christ that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Amen. Yeah, amen. Thank you. Thank you for that. That this is, this age is evil, is seen in the character of its civilization after nearly 1900 years of gospel preaching. The world is in a worse state in proportion to its light than it was in the days of Christ. It seems headed towards some great crisis. The spirit of lawlessness is in the air, and despite all efforts to quench it, it is strangely becoming unmanageable and perverse and determined to break away from all authority and law. How are we to account for this? Has God lost his control over the world? 
or is he permitting some other agency to have his way? The answer is that there are two opposing spirits at work in the world in this dispensation. The Holy Spirit, who is engaged in, in gathering out the elect body of, of the church, and the spirit of evil, these are called in First Corinthians 2.12. Write that down. Be writing these scriptures down so you can read them later. And then, and then John, and then First John. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, wait, hold on one second. I get I'm getting my First Corinthians. It's in the third chapter. Now, First Corinthians, the second chapter, in verse twelve. Okay. Oh, oh my God. Okay. You write the spirit of the world. And the spirit of God. Uh huh. And the spirit of the world is in First John, the fourth Amen. chapter, five to six, which is the spirit of truth. And the spirit of error is in and is in that chapter. The Amen. spirit of error is the source of all the strong delusions in Second Thessalonians two eleven that are in the world today. And as the end of the age draws near, they are being rapidly multiplied. And it requires the utmost diligence not to be caught in their net, just as the church is indwelt and guided by the Holy Spirit. So world outside the church is indwelt and guided by the spirit of the world. That's back again, this is first uh, Corinthians, the second chapter, and verse 12, unholy spirit, and as the Holy Spirit is a person, so is the spirit of the world is a person. See, people be thinking of these spirits is dealing with a, a building. There ain't no building. It's people. These are wicked people in this universe that's doing all this killing and these are uh, all this shooting and all that. These are wicked people that ran by Satan and his demons. Yeah. And you had me quickened by his Holy Spirit, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time past ye walk according to the coarse age of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, which is Satan, the spirit, evil spirit that now worketh, energizes in the children of disobedience Ephesians 2 1 through 2 from this we see that the spirit of the world is safe the world refused to accept the rule of God when they crucified his son and chose Barabbas instead of Christ thus exalting Satan to the position of the God of this age for Satan is not spoken of as the God of any other age in this. It was Satan's ambition to be like God that caused his fall. The chapter is Isaiah, the 14, chapter Isaiah, verse 13 to 14. Write that down and read it later. And he has not as yet given up that ambition, and it is his purpose and plan to exalt himself in the person of the Antichrist whom he will indwell and sit in the temple of God. 
the rebuilt Jewish temple in Jerusalem as God and have the people worship him as such in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 to 4, Revelation 13 uh, and 4 and verse 11 to 12. This dispensation is spoken of in the scripture as man's day. Writing to the Corinthian, Paul says, but what? But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. The marjories of man's day. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 3. This then is the day of the glorification of man. The day in which the works of man are exalted and praised. We cannot explain the great advance in knowledge and mechanism arts of the past 100 years apart from God only on the supposition that there is some superhuman being who imparts this knowledge and who controls the affairs of the mechanical and commercial world. And it is worthy of note that it was not the descendants of Seth, the godly people of the anti-Dullivan dispensation, but the descendants of Cain, the ungodly people of that period who invented metal working device and musical instruments, doubtless for pleasure, and built great cities for commercial and other purposes. Now we know that Satan's gospel is the gospel of progress. Y'all see that now? That's what's going on in this world now. All this different technology is all coming from Satan. And keep your mind and you away from God. He preached it in the Garden of Eden when he promised Eve that if she would eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, her eyes would be open, and she and Adam be as gods knowing good and evil. Genesis 3, 5. It was the promise of knowledge that caused the downfall of the human race. And when Adam and Eve followed Satan's advice, they committed the race to the acceptance of his leadership and program. It is not likely that the Holy God imparted to the ungodly race of Cain the knowledge to invent things that would lead to the downfall of the race and help to bring on the flood. Neither is it to be supposed that a God of love would impart to men the knowledge that would enable them to invent such hellish instruments of warfare as were used in the great European war. It's what's going on now in European, that Ukraine. It is clear then that there's some supernatural being who is at the head of the world and that that being is Satan. His program is to build up the magnificent civilization without God. The phrase Christian civilization is an invention of God of this age. There can be no such thing for Christianity and civilization have nothing in common. There can be no Christian civilization without Christ. And when he comes back, 
he would bring to an end in the bolster civilization of this age and set up a new civilization over which Satan should have no control. For he would then be a prisoner in the pit. Come out hell. It is clear that if this world could be made a fit place for men to live in without God, it could not have had a more masterly leader than Satan. And that if he has failed, it is not his fault, but is due to the willfulness of man. There are but two classes of people spoken of in the New Testament, the children of God and the children of the devil. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. 1 John 3.10. Here, all who doeth not righteousness are classed as children of the devil. And in Ephesians 2 and 2 are called the children of disobedience. There is no possibility of union between them. Therefore, there cannot be any such thing as the brotherhood of man, which popularly understood is the union of all religious bodies and sects, such as Christians, Jews, atheists, Unitarians, Mohammedanism, Buddhism, Confucianism, etc., and a federation of religions. The word disobedience means obstinate rebellion. How futile then is the effort of the children of disobedience to make the earth a more comfortable habitation for man and bring in a millennial by a federation of all religious bodies when the bulk of mankind is in obstinate rebellion against God and would not have his son to reign over them but are spending every energy to produce a godless civilization civilization and make way for Satan's masterpiece for the man of sin. Satan is the deceiver of the world, Revelation 12, 9. He raises false hopes and deludes by the deceitfulness of riches, Matthew 13, 22. The deceitfulness of sin, Hebrew 3, 13. And the deceitfulness of unrighteousness, 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 11. He causes the exercise of the imagination and by strong delusion and seducing spirit, he tries to make men believe that his plans for the world betterment are right. His, his advocate, Cates, points to the great increase in scientific knowledge and inventions. The great advance in methods of worldwide communication by land sea and air and the various inventions that lighten labor and add to domestic comfort and claim that the world is growing better not only because of these but because of the great philanthropies of men that have founded colleges libraries hospitals and great charitable institutions for getting that these things only tend to the physical and helpfulness, look in the fact of man and have little to do 
with his moral character and over the world today sits on the mouth of a volcano whose interior is a foaming cauldron of social unrest and commercial rottenness. When the God of this age discovered that he could not stamp out the church by persecution, he changed his tactics and now seeks to neutralize her efforts by seduction. His method is to divert her efforts for the evangelization of the world to methods of social betterment and thus make the world a better place to live in, forgetting that as the natural man cannot be spiritually saved by culture, neither can the world. Therefore, all efforts to save the world by social betterment are futile. And when the church lends her aid to such method, she confesses that Christ's method of saving the world is insufficient and thus discount the power of the gospel. Christian men give vast sums of money for the social, intellect, and physical betterment of the world rather than for the evangelization of the world. That's why the gospel must continue to be preached. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you believe that you pass from death into life before you sleep and after you sleep. And heaven is your home. They even go farther and form society for the investigation of adverse social conditions, such as poverty, vice, ignorance, etc., and appoint specialists at high salaries to investigate and see if they can discover the cause of all the sin, misery, and wreckedness there is in the world, forgetting that in so doing, they are wasting their money. For the Bible told us centuries ago that the, the cause was sin. If the proper thing to do is to remedy a thing at its source, let the church apply the remedy of the gospel and have the individual, and by thus doing, save society. The common opinion is that all the ills of society are in men's surrounding or environment, whereas they are in man himself. Hence, an all-human scheme for the betterment of society must begin in the man himself. That is, the man must first be regenerated by the Holy Spirit. All the schemes of men to make this world a better place to live in seem to be made the world a better place to sin in because they increase the facilities for sin. The God of this age knows that if... The church was to give give herself exclusively to the work of world evangelization. He would lose her service in building his great civilization structure. So he is just as anxious to keep her in his power and postpone the time of her exodus. First Thessalonians 4, 15 and 18 as Pharaoh was to keep Israel in Egypt at work on his stone city, Ramesses and Piton. To this end, he keeps her busy, making bricks without straw, and thus blinds her eyes to the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, the doctrine 
of the premillennial coming of the Lord, knowing that once she gets a vision and that she will refuse to any longer work for his word, his world betterment scheme. The unification of the nation of the earth is a scheme to reverse the judgment of God on Babel and resume the building of the tower. It is to exalt the name of man, Genesis 11, 1 through 9. There are two distinct bodies in this present evil age in the process of formation. Number one is the body of Christ, the church. Number two is the body of the Antichrist. The first is being gathered by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 3 and 13, and the second by the Spirit of evil that now working energizes in the children of disobedience, Ephesians 2, 1 through 12. The difference between the body, the Holy Spirit is forming, and the body, the Spirit of evil is forming, is that the former is united to a living head, Christ, Ephesians 1. 20 to 23, while the latter has no living head, for it is simply an organization. Let's stop right there. Yeah, because uh, when we're going to do uh, sorting, uh, Scott, we're going to see if we we'll put these scriptures up that Reverend Lyle has given. But right now, you gave a very beautiful, long rendition there about when we are, extremely where we are in the Bible. So then, no, I want to say thank you, Reverend Miles, for enlightening us with the scripture and the word, line on line, you know, what the Bible says. True, 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 okay. Listen to Freemasons uh, in USA, hottowerview.com. Don't you miss your material comments on the beautiful. You're going to say thank you for us. My name is Alan, folks. That's all the out loud. Scott, take it out of here. Amen. Enjoy my chamber coming on a beautiful Saturday afternoon on Veterans Day. I say again, thank you to all the veterans who have uh, gave their lives and, and their time to our country over the years. Uh, you know, and, and right now, November the 11th is the day that was actually uh, set out uh, by, by the 1919 President Woodrow Wilson, this message to his countrymen on the first of the Amnesty Day. And he felt the, felt the day meant what did they meant to the United States America at that time. Uh, at that time, the United States Congress adopted a resolution on June 4, 1926, President uh, President Calvin Coolidge issued an annual recommendation called November the 11th, becoming a legal holiday. And finally, with all approved in 1938, November the 11th, today's day. 
Veterans Day. So we're going to think of the honor of veterans, and that's how I got started. And also, I'm happy to say that uh, something brand new just came out. Uh, honoring the veterans, uh, Mr. Uh, Gerald Wilson, uh, who's an anthem singer. And he's sung a, a national anthem all over a thousand places. So guess what? He now has a bobblehead that was created for him, okay? And that's the first bobblehead that ever been created for a singer. And, uh, and so he was out when you're at this Navy, paid all of you know, uh, other 25 years in the service now. And so he sings at, at, um, at all the football games, all the high profile World Series, you name it, uh, Super Bowl, he's been there seeing the, seeing the praises of our country. So we want to thank him so much. And also, uh, for your information, right now, as of, uh, as of last year, we had 14 million 270,000 in a wartime that was still alive. And that is a beautiful number. And also we have 3,979,000 uh, peacetime veterans. And also in our country, you know, did you know Reverend Lyles and Scott, there's 62, 6.2 Americans right now are veterans. So we want to thank you so much for all that you have done and continue to do. And so again, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Most of all, please enjoy this beautiful day and this whole weekend, matter of fact, uh, for all that you have done. And also, uh, this has been a very busy weekend. <laughs> we ask you uh, to continue protecting yourself from, from COVID-19. Get your vaccine. Uh, the numbers uh, are not dropping. They are increasing, which means that uh, you need to uh, continue to wear your face mask when you can, whenever you can. You go out, you know, run like people, you start coughing, not good, especially right now, you get your flu shot. Most of all, we always tell you, wash your hands. I know it's kind of hard to do right now, this time of year, it's kind of, you get space between you. And then we got so many football games, basketball games, gathering parties and stuff. That's hard to do. Again, as much as you can, protect yourself. And then we appreciate you doing that. That will be here for us next week. And also, it's found that it's a future now. And we all know this past summer was the hottest summer, summer on record. 2023 made history as the hottest, 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 hottest day on record. And something that really allowed me to hear the program so far in 2023, we have had over. And you said it's number 565 mass shooting in our country. This, is not, this doesn't include individual shootings in Iowa Divines where you know, we had a road race shooting here in St. Louis yesterday. A couple of shootings killed, being killed. And this is what you hear and read about all over the country. It's all because of guns, 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 guns. Uh, I can't say you don't need your gun, but know what you're doing. They know how to use a gun. They got this, the, the different device out there right now that you shoot so fast. And now people who, who, don't, who don't get a permit and get no training, they don't know how to, how to, how to use a gun. I really use a gun. They use what emotions got to do it. And that is not a very good thing. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. And also this past Tuesday, uh, election day, Democrats had a very good day, I guess you could say. Abortion still remained a very hot issue. As women, you know, we need to support them. Uh, and uh, because uh, when they we did uh, like killed the uh, wrote, wrote, uh, the uh, the 
Congress kind of get away with the uh, abortion law that was being in people. It's here. A lot of people right now, uh, as you're going out, and in some states where they have not, um, the, the, states, the legislatures right now, your health and your city, in most states right now, are making it harder and harder for women. So right now, uh, you find that what the women are doing right now, what people are doing right now, they're getting petition drives. They put those on the ballot. And those become part of the Constitution, which means they can now save that day and save, save themselves from the abortions. No, that's, no, that's because right now, in some states, uh, you can be raped, uh, no, no, no matter how young you are, how old you are, and you're going to have that baby. And sometimes you know the baby will be handicapped. And so right now, um, we ask you, please, please, continue to support your women in your lives. I have women in my life, your women in your life. And right now, uh, this past uh, Tuesday in Kentucky, uh, uh, Virginia, uh, Ohio, uh, uh, you know, those states went out and um, along with uh, some other states right now, and they kind of took over at the ballot box. So women do rule. And right now, uh, another congresswoman, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee, you know, is uh, she's running now to be the mayor of Houston, Texas, which is the third largest city in the country. And so she was for, will be for the runoff with her and another fellow Democrat, John Whitmire. Uh, they did not get 50% of the votes in Texas. So on the 9th of December, they went out with runoffs to see who would be the mayor of the third largest city in the country. And also in Jackson, Mississippi. In Mississippi, they can't get it right. I mean, this is pitiful down there. Because right now, Jackson, Mississippi is the largest city, largest city in, 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 in the state. And right now, Mississippi has over 40% of the residents of the state are black. And in Jackson, Mississippi, we is black. And, and and so this past election, they ran out of ballots again. So the election still wasn't fair. This is not good. And also something that's very, very uh, upsetting to me uh, and should be to you. Election workers, these people who go out, you know, who work the polls, you know, who work, you know, work to count the ballots and things like that. Well, right now, people are right now in, in, in five states. California, Georgia, Nevada, Oregon, state of Washington. They are all receiving letters with suspicious power. In some cases, they've been identified as a pissing off. Well, these things can kill a person. So right now, the FBI and the Postal Service right, right now are investigated. They're going to find these people. But all this is meant to be fear. They want to scare people. And this is not good, no shape for them or fashion. And it makes matters even worse. And uh, it's not been talked about a lot, so this has been going on, especially with the war going on over the hills right now and on the Gaza Strip there. Uh, we ask you to pray. Prayers up, bless down. Because right now, uh, nobody knows how that's going to go. But we pray that, that, that it does not spread to the other nations in that area. Because that can be changed the whole world. So we ask you please pray, pray there, but also uh, most 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 uh, here in our country, we talked about this months ago about this government in our country shutting down, and in that process, the House Representatives had to pass a bill, sent it to the Senate, then to the President, 
to pay all our bills, all our obligations, and the House Representative you know, uh, kick out the, the former Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, and listen, another gentleman by the name of Mike Johnson of the state of Louisiana. And today, as of, as of Friday, Thursday, I should say, they left Congress. They went over the weekend with no, with no bill. No bill that they know of right now that can, can keep us from having a shutdown. This is a very bad thing for our country. It's a bad thing for our country in a whole lot of ways because with no budget, and you, you read about the people, uh, uh, there are bills that for people in the armed forces, they mean, like, get their checks, uh, our credit rating will go down. And you said, why is this taking place? Well, right now in the House of Representatives, which is controlled by the Republican Party right now, they are refusing to come together to pass a, uh, a, a they, can't, they can't agree. They can't agree you know, how to come together and put together the, the bills and see the problem they have in most years that they, they cannot be done unless you have Democrats and Republicans come together. Now, Kevin McCarthy reached out to the Democrats and, and saved us a couple of oh, months or so ago, and he lost his job. And so president right now with the present speaker in the House, uh, Speaker Johnson, without the help of the Democrats, and he refused, <coughs> excuse me, to want to reach over to, to, uh, to uh, Akeem Jeffries who leads the Democratic which is minority leader in the House, they ask for help. Now see, this is something that in, in North affects all of us. All of us. All of us. So at some point, you know, this, this, this great divide has, has, has to go away. Now, this is not good. No chief home affairs. So right now, come Tuesday, they hope they have a deal they can vote on. Come next Friday, uh, this, uh, Friday, uh, if nothing's passed, uh, now they got several options they got on the table. One is another short-term funding bill that will last until mid-December, or either uh, next year in January or April, but nobody knows. Something on the more pleasant note, uh, the UAW track ended. It was very good for all our local workers and stuff. They all got raises and also for Apple. Workers out there, African workers in that, that's AFTRE workers in Hollywood. They came to a very good agreement and they are voting on Tuesday to ratify them before their members. And and this is this is something they've been on track, which means that your TV shows, your movies, everything came to a halt. And so right now, that is coming to an end. And also, and you haven't heard a lot about it, but in Los Angeles and also in Las Vegas, but the, uh, Las Vegas, especially uh, the Wind Resorts, John Caesar Palace and, uh, and MDM uh, uh, ho hotels out there. And we should change the to avoid its track. All the Las Vegas main big hotel workers out there are about to go on the track. They've been negotiating for over seven months. You know, and uh, and they finally came to an agreement. And this has been a great week for unions as raises and health care were some of the main issues and those things were kind of dealt with in a positive way manner so we think thank god for that for all those people who now will go back to work okay and and the good part about this okay we're going to see the benefits of that and the trickle down to our economy now 
Well, you see a uh, movie that you want to see, you know, page you want to go, and I announce what page you want to go. We can mention something that's, uh, we don't talk about a lot here, but in the airline industry, consumer complaints nearly doubled since last year. And that's not good, okay? Because right now, we're about to go into the busiest season of the year, the prime season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. And so uh, we're hoping that you travel, you have you check your bag, commit uh, ahead of time, you be at the airport early, and make sure, make sure, okay, that uh, by the way now, if you have, uh, there are a lot more rules and regulations now. If the airline industry does not do what they're supposed to do, you can now file complaints against them. And that's why you see so many complaints, by the way, but that is what's taking place. And also some um, good news, uh, for the first time in uh, in uh, country history, uh, a young lady by the name of Tracy Chapman made history the first black songwriter to win the Songwriter of the Year awards with her song, Pass Corp, which is sung by uh, Lou Combs. Now, this song was written back in 1988, and, uh, and it, you know, got the charts, and, you know, in all of the black music. Makes it back in those days, and also, uh, uh, this is uh, right now. She the music, the Grammys nomination came out yesterday. A young lady from St. Louis, Missouri, a lady by the name, go by the name of Nzia Sanga. I want to keep you on that S P A, but she scored the most Grammy nomination of any person out there with over with nine nominations. And by the way, she was uh, born in St. Louis to a um, graduate of Soleil High School, which is my old high school. And uh, but she was but raised up um, in New Jersey. She had nine nominations. That is unbelievable. And also that we had Taylor Swift, Natalie, and a whole lot of other beautiful young ladies who would be also you know, getting the award. And also uh, here in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, we are happy to have a black young lady. Mr. Uh, Miss, uh, Miss, Miss Kelly Jackson, she become the anchor for the KBSDK, which is the NBC affiliate, and she will host a, uh, a host, uh, no, she'll host an anchor right now for the, uh, for the, uh, here in the St. Louis area, and we're very proud of her. And also, and also, uh, she also hosts the daily radio show also. So she's a very busy young lady. And also, uh, St. Louis has the designation to have the only you know, black credit union in the country. As a matter of fact, the name of the St. Louis Credit Union is a not for profit financial cooperative. It is owned by 60,000 black members, which is unbelievable, but a, a great thing uh, to have that honor. And also, here in St. Louis City and County, murders and carjacking continue to increase, which is nothing new. But I'm going to say our murders are down, our carjackings are going up like crazy. And and so I would tell people, get out of your car, you're pumping gas, and you please lock your car. And also, you don't want to look out when you get out, because sometimes people, just when you get out, okay, you know, they, they jump in your car. You put you out the bus again. Please be careful, not just here, seeing but around the country. And so right now, uh, uh, like River Lyles, I tried to get the audience so, so we have a lot of time for our guests today. But anyway, you listen to Fragrance in USA 
hotpotradio.com. Lunch with the Latino Comrades on a beautiful ballot. And we have to say it again, Veterans Day. So uh, congratulations to all the veterans and their families. And we say, Lunch with them, too much human comments on a beautiful uh, Veterans Day. I'm going to ask you to peace. Uh, you know, if you see them, you know, uh, a lot of restaurants, you know, you know they provide Jennifer for them, for their family, for them, I should say. Uh, and there's some way uh, we can say our appreciation. But uh, one of the things that uh, we were talking about before we came back on the air was uh, Mr. Bill Kovac. As a, as a matter of fact, uh, I guess, if you're, how you doing, sir? Doing well, thanks. Okay, well, Mr. Bill Kovacs is, to me, a very close friend of mine and also one of my mentors. And uh, Bill Kovacs is, uh, oh my God, uh, we couldn't have a better guest for the time that we're in right now. Uh, Bill Kovacs led to the uh, Chamber of Congress for how many years, Bill? 20. 22, oh my God, 20 years. And if you're not aware, Spain, if you, Bill, well, what's the National Chamber of Congress? What does it do? Uh, it represents the it represents the United States, uh, and it tries to take the positions of the business community before Congress, the White House, and the courts. Uh, so we're we're pretty busy, and it works on virtually every issue in the in, in the entire Congress, other than obviously some nuclear or, or security or cybersecurity type type issues. But all of the domestic issues and all the foreign trade issues it works on. 
Well, so needless to say, Bill, uh, you have uh, saw a scene through his hand <laughs> how Congress needs to work and how, how dysfunctional it is right now. And also, uh, Bill, when we retired, he took the time to write a book, okay, that I think uh, he's written several books now. But the best book that I think he even put out there is for a time such as this that explains, uh, it should attempt to explain to us how our government works and explain the different parts of that. Now, that is called costocracy. Did I get it right? Catastocracy. And catastocracy is, just I'll find it for you, ruled by the least able or least principled citizens. Okay, so right now, uh, I'm gonna put you. I'm gonna put you to the, not not to the test, okay? But I'm explaining about it. But now this is right now. As you as people already know, I just mentioned this a few years ago that we are facing a crisis in our own country right now, where we are facing a uh, shutdown of our government. So, you know, for people who don't understand what that means, kind of tell them what that means. Well, let, let me be, as a sort of an intro to this. Okay, take it Fortunately or unfortunately, I'm old enough to remember when Congress actually worked. Okay, uh, me, me too. Me too. Yeah, you older me, so me too. When, when I was on the Hill in, in the late 70s and, and 1980, there were really the the giants were there. They, uh, Wright Patmans, Manny Sellers. Uh, mm-hmm. These, you know, you probably remember Manny Sellers. He was the first member of Congress to pass, I think he passed the 1965 Civil Rights Act. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but it worked. They, they had balanced budgets. We didn't have massive national debt. Uh, the, mm-hmm. They had 12 appropriations committees that always appropriated the money on time. And mm-hmm. for whatever happened, it worked. The United States was getting wealthier and wealthier. People were working. And, for, and I'm not saying that everything was perfect. It certainly wasn't. But mm-hmm. Congress worked. They got the bills done on time. They kept the government working. Everything kept functioning the way it should. We had a strong defense, and we had a great economy. And, I, and also, they worked together. I mean, that's it, right? Democrats worked with us, and Republicans. So they all came together. And, and they, I, I'm, they, glad they, you, I'm glad you said that. Okay. My best friend in Congress was the Minority Council on Committee. And he and I made an agreement on day one. We had some pretty big issues. We had to reorganize the Penn Central Railroad. So we would mm-hmm. work together the whole year and invite each other to meetings. And that way, if there was going to be a problem, we knew about it right away. We didn't have to wait until it got to the floor or got to a committee meeting. And um, we were able to get, in one session of Congress, the reorganization of the Penn Central Railroad into Conrail. Most people never heard of this. But at that time, Penn Central Railroad was bankrupt, and the courts ordered mm-hmm. the thing broken up. And if it had been broken up and we had no railroad system in the United States, we wouldn't have been able to deliver cars and food. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, right. Trucks and, and electronics and everything else that, that moves by rail. And in roughly uh, in under two years, we were able to get out a major bill that restructured several hundred thousand miles of railroad, all the union contracts, infuse money into the railroad, get a bill passed, and watch within the next two or three years that it, it actually made profits and the government was able to sell back to the private sector. 
that is not possible today. And the other bill we did in, 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 in under a year was um, solid and hazardous waste. At that point in time, you know, there was no law in the United States regulating hazardous waste. We had rivers on fires, on fire. Yeah. Uh, backyards were full of waste. And, and then within, within under a year, we were able to get it passed, Republicans and Democrats. We, and within five years, all the hazardous waste was really pretty much cleaned up. You, mm-hmm. Right now, you couldn't, you can't even get a small appropriations bill through in five years. We haven't mm-hmm. had the full Congress go through the entire appropriation process and get it to the committees and out and passed on time since 1996. Wow. That, you want to talk about a dysfunctional place? It is extraordinarily dysfunctional. And I, I'm just going to tell you, if the, you know, if you ask me who, who I blame, uh, I actually blame the media. I blame MSNBC, Fox News, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, everybody, these members of Congress, all they care about is they just they just want to be on the news. They don't want to work. They don't want to legislate. They don't want they don't want to learn the issues. They just want to go on television, and they're all auditioning for a lobbying job or a new or a co-sponsor, co-host job or something. And they need to go back. They need to go back to their business. So they just they need to now. I think this new speaker Johnson is pretty good. And I and he, he his first thing he said is we're we're going to do appropriation bills and you know if you want government you got to pay for it I mean I hate to tell you that mm-hmm. so well, if you're right now okay we're well, right now uh, you know presently uh, 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 speaking uh, on Thursday they, they 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 went on for the for the weekend and they didn't have any well any bills I think that that were ready right now. That can be voted on, you know, to you know, to, to, the, to, to move out of the house. So, so right now, how? Well, well right now, let's, let's sit the table here. President, right now, the the, the, the house, and we probably have a slim majority there in the house, and they just kicked out Kevin McCarthy. Now, why did they kick him out? And he was the speaker of you know, the house. Well, I they created more chaos. Well, there were one because they were the ground rules that were set up that people didn't like what he did or didn't trust him. They moved to have him thrown out, and that's what they did. They moved to have him thrown out. That's the first time in our history that took place. Yeah. Well, actually, there was one that took place, I think, in 1880, but they they threw him out, and then three days later, they brought him back. But Kevin McCarthy was the first one who they threw out. And what I hear, and I mean, I don't work on the Hill anymore, but what I hear is they frankly just, the members, a lot of the members didn't trust him. They didn't feel like he was playing fair. He'd say one thing to them and one thing to the Biden administration. Uh, he promised them all the appropriation bills were going to be done, but then he did continuing resolutions. And I think there was just a feeling of distrust as to, you know, what is this guy doing? And I'm very honest with you, if you watch Fox News, Fox News, I don't know that he had time to do anything else. He was on Fox News all day long. Right, 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 right. You know, like you said a few minutes ago, the television, you know, they, they, all, they all, for some reason, have time, you know, to, to be available. <laughs> and, the, and and I just don't understand this. They're not being paid to be uh, talked on, to be on TV. 
you know, uh, and, you know, and, you know, and talking about stuff, but not doing anything. You got it. I mean, I don't know what goes through their heads, but somehow they think it's more important to be on TV. Now they would probably tell you, well, I've got to get the message out and everything. When, when I was on the Hill, I mean, fortunately, I mean, we had local newspapers and you had the New York Times and the Washington Post and some of the big ones. Uh, but these guys, they worked. They actually, they not only worked, they actually went to committee hearings. They asked questions. They voted mm-hmm. on. They went. We actually had conferences between the House and the Senate. I mean, all mm-hmm. of those things which people would say very, you know, they, they act like it's very boring. Well, we had regular order, like it's something really bad. Regular order is how most people function in life. You get up in the morning, right. you go do your job, you, you know, you brush your teeth, wash your hair. That's regular mm-hmm. order for most people. Regular order for these guys is to do all that, plus show up at a hearing, show, ask questions, go to the floor, mm-hmm. learn the issue, go to conference. They don't do that. They're, they're all, they're all, they miss everything because I don't know where they are. They're either, they're either you know, raising money, which is a lot of their time. Or, or they're, you know, the Republicans are on Fox and the Democrats are on MSNBC. And the distraction of being there and, and always trying to appease a public that doesn't vote for you is really got to be, yeah. it's very disturbing. Just when I see a member of Congress on television 10 times a day, I just see yeah. them one, why are you there? Why are you in Congress? Yeah. Who's on there more than five times a year. Yeah. Well, let me ask this question, okay? Uh, since we have identified one of the reasons that we that we are such, such a, a divided house, what do you foresee coming out? You know, I know this is something that nobody probably knows the answer for, but I'm gonna put you on the spot here uh, since you know more than the average person knows about how this how this should go. What do you think is gonna happen uh, next Friday? Next election? Mm-hmm. Next, next Friday is the next week. Yeah, next Friday is the deadline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Austin's only been in for a few days. I think he's only been in for a week. Um, mm-hmm. I think yeah. what they're going to do is let him do a short continuing resolution probably until, I'm assuming, until after Christmas. And I say... Until, or until after January, and I say that because they don't want to interfere with anybody's Christmas holidays. Uh, we certainly wouldn't want to have these guys working. Uh, you, know, you, know, you, know, Bill, you know, Bill, you know, something you just said that to me is an answer to our question, okay? We had talked some years ago, you know, and, uh, and off there in personally, that, uh, that when a person become a congressman or senator, their whole attitude changed and they didn't get on the hill. And and suddenly uh, they they don't have time to do. You know, all they're concerned about is is remaining in Congress by what it means necessary. Right. And 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 you know, I just said about what it means necessary, and that uh, and they take you no know, position on stuff that we not even worried about sometimes. But they do it to get along okay with the other members. Now, unfortunately for us, back in the days, you know, when we were talking about what age work. Democrats and Republicans didn't hate each other. I mean, they, you know, they, they had drinks after work. You know, they, you know, you know go places together, you know, have dinner together. And nowadays, if a, if a Republican or a Democrat speak, you know, uh, talk to each other, talk to somebody, 
de, 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 almost, you know, de, de, she's take out, I mean, this bad for her. And, 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 no, go ahead, sorry. And, and actually, okay, they attempt there, politics means that you got to compromise to get what you want. Yeah, well, uh, right now, I, I think they think that they, because th think about what their goals are. And you said one of them. One of them was getting reelected, but to get reelected, you have to have a lot of money. They can raise more money in a polarized society because everybody hates everybody. And your fundraising pitch is always negative. You know, you're, you know, so-and-so is going to take your baby or so-and-so is going to take your bank account or so-and-so is going to take your social security or so-and-so is going to do this that raises a lot more money than say you know i've been working so that we can restructure social security to make it work for us for the next 75 years i mean just think about it one says one just talks fear all the time and the other one talks about boring things like regular order learning stuff getting it through working with the other side to get a compromise out that's really hard work nobody's interested i mean if you sort of talking about you know if you and i were talking about just you know how do you how do you build a consensus on such a bill and you know we probably come to the same idea you have to work with people but if you don't have to work with people and you can constantly attack them all you have to do is work with your fundraisers mm-hmm and it's easy work. Somebody else is, is, is really doing it. And, you know, unfortunately, that's where we've got to come. I, I've got a, a little story I want to tell because I, go ahead, you know, go ahead, go ahead. it's one of the most fascinating nights I ever had in my, in my entire life. And uh, when I was in private law practice, uh, a former member of Congress uh, retained me to represent them on, on, on a few issues, but they were mainly business issues. And um, this member of Congress, um, he was very wealthy, uh, and for whatever reason, he took a little bit more money than he should have, and he was indicted, and this was after he got out of jail. And I was having dinner with him, and I just said to him, I don't even know, I don't usually ask rude questions, but but in something inspired me because I was just really needed to know. And I said, I said, Fred, why did you ever do this? You're a million, yeah. millionaire. And he, this, his response was the most interesting response and the most honest that I've ever heard. He said, Bill, when you're a member of Congress, what you're going to find out is every, all of your kids get scholarships to the best schools. You always get the best price on a car. Everybody wants you to be a partner in the biggest projects in your district. Everything good happens to a member of Congress. Whatever you want, it happens for you. And he said, after a while, you begin to believe you're as good as all the people tell you. And he said, once I did that, I started doing stupid things because I never thought I'd get caught. And that was yeah. the most honest, honest re response I've ever heard in my entire life from anybody. And, and the other, in your taking of that story, uh, I, I asked myself, you know, you don't come back to the thing, but I mean, it's, it, it's actually right, okay? Because I know some people in Congress, you know what I'm saying, you know, and the former people been in Congress, and, uh, and they think that they're in a, they're in a different world. All for themselves. They, they don't think it. They actually believe it. Mm. And they are. They are. Sure. 
Yes, sir. Yep. That was in my that was in my lesson. Yeah. You know, is that the Reverend? You gotta be humble yes. I mean you gotta understand where you're coming from, where you're going and who you are. Amen. And we gotta think that the Congress and the world tells you you're really important and Fox T V tells you're really important. Then you're I guess you're really important. I mean look. I mean, on a side note, we just, you know, we, the Republicans lost Virginia and, and, the, and the governor, Youngkin, you know, he, he really thought he, he was on Fox. He was another one. He was on Fox every day, five times a day, ten times a day. I mean, he was always on. He always had something. He was in the race of his life because he needed a, a Republican legislature, both House and the Senate, to help him win and to get the bills passed he needed. And he's, and Fox News had decided that they didn't want Trump or DeSantis, that they wanted somebody more moderate, so they went after, they, they really were pushing Yunker for president. So this guy gets on thinking, and you know, they're always sort of teasing him, are you going to be president, are you going to run? And he would always say, well, I don't know, I really worry about the Virginia legislature. And after a while, you know, he lost it terribly. I mean, it was a real disaster. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And... But what was so interesting is he was so convinced he was going to be the next president of the United States that he just did not have any understanding of what he, of, of what he needed to do in Virginia. And he's I mean, he's getting really ripped pretty hard for, you know, for uh, the way the way he's done it. And people are really upset because he really blew a chance. But, you know, now in fairness to him, I would tell you that the last time. And this is what he didn't understand. The last time he ran and won, he ran against a guy named Terry McAuliffe. Terry McAuliffe is one of the more popular governors in Virginia. But in the in the final debate, in about three days before the election, Terry McAuliffe was asked about about teachers and students and do they have discipline in the schools and what can parents do? And he made a statement that parents have no role educating their children and they ought to stay out. Yeah, that, that's not that, true. Well, that's of course it's not true, but that the parents just they revolted against him, and Youngkin won. And instead of Youngkin realizing that he won by an accident, and he had to work and really work hard to get the general assembly. He decided he was running for president because Fox News told him he could. This is the Fox News and and the MSNBCs of the world are the most destructive organizations for politics in the entire world because they make and break people and the people who they make and break have no idea of who they are. But we'll be able, like we'll be to well, Bill, I have to go along with you. You know, uh, I, I go back and forth with them, both of them myself. And, you know, again, I, well, I read a lot myself, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, as you, as you read, you know, you kind of say, well, what are they talking about? Because it's not correlated to what the facts are in real life. Right. You know, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and that's what people talk about and what people need. And that right now, you're coming back to the House of Representatives right now. Uh, how can they how can they pass a resolution? And, you know, and right now amongst themselves because there's no trust there. I mean, and, and, because and, they, and, they want and to go fact, home. They want to go home. As a Never have I seen them be so public, okay, about saying they don't how they feel about people. Yeah. You know, and, and it all become personal. 
you know, and, yeah. and it's a bit, it's not, it's, it's like, you know, like, let's be honest with you, uh, with, my, with McCarthy, Jimmy Gates, you know, had a personal you know, issue going on there, and that was the cause of the whole thing there, so he had to do what he, what he did, and now uh, it's like Hunter Dumpy without the wall, and, you know, and trying to, no, no, and and, it, and it's all in public view, and now, uh, and I've been around this for a little while, but not as intimate as you have. But I, I mean, I mean, without some Democrats getting getting into the soup here, into the making the cake here, you're not going to get a you know a no a no things fast. I think that's the way it was designed. Well, but again, I come back to. You. You're old enough to remember that the system worked at one time. Yeah. The system is broken, and and they do better in a broken system. Politicians do. I agree. Because then they can do what they want to raise their money, and they can lie, and they can do whatever they want. The constituents just have to eat it. But, you know, is one of the things I talked about in the book is, you know, when we have... When, when you're elected to Congress, you're, no power comes to you as an individual. This goes back to John Locke in, in the 1700s. Power isn't given to you as a person. It's given to you as a representative of the people. That's all the power you have. Uh, uh, of the district, of the district, of the district, of the people. That's all the power you have. And you have the power to exercise that with the best judgment you can because you're a trustee of the Constitution and you're a fiduciary for the people of, of your district. And when you go beyond that and think, as these people do, I'm not a fiduciary to my people. I'm not a trustee to the Constitution. I am the power. That's what That was McCarthy's ego, e- McCarthy's ego, ego. the power. Well, 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 let's go back here, okay? You were a fiduciary. Spain, now this is exactly what did that mean? Wait, what's this on judiciary? Yeah, judiciary. Yes, uh-huh. Well, it's the committee. It's the committee of the Congress, and it's the committee that deals with the, the courts and civil rights, but it also deals with impeachment. Okay. Well, right now, uh, you know, uh, as we talk about, you know, what's going to take place uh, next Friday? Nobody had the slightest idea, and I, I'm, I'm like you. I can see it being kicked down the road. It can kick the can down the road. What's going to take place? Well, they've been kicking the can down the road for, for a long time. 30, 30 years, and I don't see anything that would stop them now. Now, I do think that this new speaker, and maybe I'm just wishful thinking, I do think he really wants to do more with the budgets and get things back to regular order. I really, truly believe that whether or not he can that's a whole other story my feeling is that he's going to ask them to do another continuing resolution until after new year's mm-hmm. and the reason for that is everybody wants their christmas break they're just like kids at school right. they want their two weeks off and they're all going to take their trips at you know at lobbyist expense and they're all going to do whatever they're going to do and nobody wants to interfere with that because that's really why they're there uh okay, okay. okay. yeah Okay, let's change subjects for a little while since I got you here. Okay, the Supreme Court, in, in all of my my years on earth, okay, I never have seen the Supreme Court being in news as much as it is now. 
know, you know, you, you know, and so I, and I know that uh, personally, and you know, I, I got involved in Washington Supreme Court when uh, Terrence Thomas was nominated by John Danforth from here in Missouri. You know, and how how, how they had the hearings then they got everybody's attention. Okay, you talking so, about Thomas? Yeah, Terrence Thomas. Okay. Well, since that time, you know, we kind of faded away in the background. But since this abortion issue came up, he's been front and center. And one thing that he said, you know, was quoted saying, I would say, that uh, he that he was uh, against uh, mixed marriages. Okay, and I couldn't quite understand that how he because he's married to a white woman himself. Right. I mean, so, so I mean, so so what is going on with the Supreme Court in your opinion? Uh, since, you know, since also since abortion issue came up. Yeah, the whole country also. Um, I guess, first of all, anything that you read about Justice Thomas is probably a lie. And it's, I mean, and I, maybe some of it's true, but most of it's by the people who really hate him. And, you know, they just, they just do it because he's somebody that they can attack. Now, some of the trips he's taken and stuff, I think they were stupid. He should have disclosed them. Um, I don't want to say everybody makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes, but it was stupid. But I just want to tell you that all the other justices do the same thing. Right. And so what? maybe I should ask you, why do you think the Supreme Court should be less political than the other two branches? They, I would make the argument, and I do in my book, that the Supreme Court is the most political of all the branches, the most, starting in 1816 with... McCullough versus Maryland, Chief Justice Marshall said the United States federal government reigns supreme and every provision in the Constitution that's both enumerated, delegated and implied belongs to the federal government and we are the power. From yes. that point forward, it just expanded and expanded and expanded and expanded. So why would you ever think the Supreme Court wasn't political? It's appointed by a political person. They have political beliefs. It has to pass a litmus test for the party. They're as political as they're more. I would argue they're more political. I agree. I feel I, you know, I, I hold on to agree. You know, and especially in uh, one of the things that Scott and I will talk about uh, this morning that uh, about you know, how things are going the crazy in the world. And we agreed that um, back in our Vietnam days, you know, in, back in the early days, uh, we were dating ourselves, but uh, you only had four ways of getting your news. You know, you had NBC, NBC, CBS, ABC, and also other broadcasts. And so, and so Scott said, I have to you just made this one also, that the media right now is, you know, uh, we have it 24 hours a day. But back in old days, we got maybe a couple of times a day. But now, you know, you know, you got more opinions about what's going on. You got more visual pictures about what's going on. You know, and it just, and I always, you know, in St. Louis, years ago, we had two newspapers, the Globe Democrat, the Post Hispanic. Well, I read both of the papers, and I read back then, that each one had opposing views. And you read both of the papers, then you, you're in the middle of someplace. But right now, finding that middle right now is obviously virtually impossible. Yep, I agree. I he also too on the news. If you, I mean, look, every all of the news commentators are, are political, and they all have their political slant. But some of them mm -hmm. report news with a slight political slant, 
and others like the cable stations just report opinion mm-hmm. and and so few people so few people read anymore um yeah I mean, if we, I, if we, if you know i was out someplace a couple of months ago and i and when i go to the doctor for me a different place i gotta go to the place the Take my, take my newspaper with me, you know. And one lady asked me, "When, when is that?" Said, it's a newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I and I and I and I feel sorry for Bill because you know I get my paper every day, you know. And as I be, I'm calling it. We have some newspaper, you know. What I mean, you know, and then you know I'm a new junkie, you know, because I I like to know what's going on, and you know, and you know, and. And I also know that you know, there's, a, there's a slant no matter how you're going to be doing it. But like in the things that I do in my life has been around business and politics. And, and you said something that told me a second ago, Bill, that people may believe it is not true, but the Supreme Court is, you know, the, the last couple of justices, though, who got on the court, they just outright lied about Roe versus Wade. You know, you know, they said, they just outright lied and said, and the citizens who brought, brought it across the well, they lied to me. Well, now you can't support, you know, trust the Supreme Court justice to tell you the truth. We're in the hell of a lot of trouble, Bill. Well, I think we're in a hell of a lot of trouble. Well, okay, if, if, if uh, they outright lied. I, I think we're in a hell of a lot of trouble. I think this country is, is so deep in doo doo that. I don't know how we get out of it. Look, we have a $33 trillion debt. In 10 years, we're going to have a $50 trillion debt. In in 30 years, we're going to have a $100 trillion debt. Each person, each taxpayer owes well over $250,000. That would be their share of the debt. So imagine some person who's making 50000 bucks a year, and some the government says, well, your share of the national debt is 250000 What do you think happens to all these people? What do you think is going to happen to our our grandchildren, you know, 30 years from now when we're gone and they have a $50 trillion debt and they all owe 500000 apiece and uh, interest rates are, you know, maybe they're not quite as high as today. Maybe they're 2% less, but still 5 6% is pretty high for these people when you're paying off $35 trillion. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure where this whole thing is, is, is. I'm not sure where it's all going. And how, you, you always say your favorite phrase is kick the can down the road. The Congress and the debt and the president have kicked this can down the road for $34 trillion, 36 or whatever it is. Well, what, 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 one thing that uh, Rev. allows and Scott, like we got it on, on the band with us now, uh, our country is, as you know very well, is not even 300 years old. And right now, Rev. allows to change. No place in the Bible is the United States even mentioned. And right now, uh, you know, I see us being something like a, 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 a Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, you know, that's something that's good. That's, I don't know how, how we're going to get there, but it's seeing the way things are going right now, so that we're going in that direction. And I, I, I don't know how you set the strength, but right now, with all that chaos that we got going on around, like even the Middle East there, I mean, uh, you know, you what's going on over here in, uh, in Ukraine and, and other places in the world, you know, we're, you know, we're we involved in all those places, and we're the youngest kid on the block. Trying, you know, trying to carry the biggest stick. How, how does that work? I don't know. We're in over a hundred countries, so I don't know how it works. 
I don't, I don't, we're everywhere. I mean, we, you know, I was shocked at how many bases we still have in the Middle East and they're all being bombed by terrorists. I mean, it's it's just amazing. We must have 20 or 30 in, you know, between Syria, Iraq and, 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 and and Lebanon. I mean, I just, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know. I mean, why, why are we, why are we still there? Um, when they say you say they probably will take our interest there. I mean, but I mean, but uh, and the other countries, all those countries, okay, uh, you know that that we that we have interest in there. What is our interest? Well, while we're mired in in wars, China's got mm-hmm. this Belt and Road Initiative where they're building bridges and ports and everything else, and they're they're getting the minerals and building rail stations, and they're trading with these com- countries, and we're just. Mm-hmm producing ammunition so our industrial military industrial complex can get rich and killing people i i don't know right but i'm i'm a bad person to talk about it because i'm probably not pro-war i mean they and I'm, no 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 i'm not real you know matter of fact uh one thing that you know i, I haven't yet haven't, haven't touched okay what's going on over the middle east there because uh it, that's that's uh uh, it's something there, you know, that, uh, you know, that all the lives that are being lost there, you know, and, you know, and like, and, and like the people not aware in, in, in the jobs of the Palestine there, most of their people, you know, they're, they are in the age of, uh, they're not older people. Most of them are like, you know, uh, the majority of them are, you know, are like, and they, and I think 35 or 50 years old is the older, is the, the minimum age of, it's, you know, median age over there. Oh, in the Middle East, I'll bet you it's closer to twenty. Yeah, they're very young. They're very young. And, and, uh, and you know, and, and, and now, and I say it's just—it's it's crazy. You know, it's crazy. But now, have we talked about now? Uh, in your opinion, uh, uh, um, and this is one of the craziest things right now. How could you see, what do you see as a future for former President Donald Trump, who is 97 Well, first of all, I mean, I'll tell you, no matter what anybody thinks of him, he should not have been indicted four times. I mean, that is just a political system gone crazy saying... We can we can take him out, and and I really feel like one of the one of the. I mean, I'm thrilled when when his supporters say we're going to protect you, we're going to vote for you because the, the system should we shouldn't have a political justice system, and our justice system and our FBI, I feel is you can't become any more corrupt, and when the rule of law is not protected by the Department of Justice, we have a lawless society, and a lawless society does not bear very well for the future of this country. So you put the debt on to this country, then you put the inability of Congress to function, and now you you recognize that the Department of Justice and, and the FBI are just political machines like everybody else. Then you throw in the courts because they're political too. All you have, you don't have a constitution anymore, Ira. You have... No, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're Republican or Democrat, that's all. I, I, I'm trying to find it, well, no, because, you know, the preamble to the Constitution, most people don't know what the other is. Yeah, they don't. And so I'm at a point where I don't I don't know really what to tell you now. I'm too old to do anything about it, so it really doesn't make a lot of difference. But I do do things I still write, and I still 
talk to you guys. I still talk to a lot of other people. I write for a lot of publications. My concern is my grandchildren. I, I don't know how these people are going to function because they're going to be in a world that's bankrupt. They're going to be in a world that's just controlled by political parties and everybody's lying to them. Just give you one example about lies. It, within two days, there were two articles in, 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 in the papers. One article is on, and I'll, I'll just read it to you. I'm not going to read the whole article. It's on peer review, and it's about all these professors who do these articles that are peer-reviewed, and okay. the information is false. All the data is false, or they've plagiarized it. And now they're saying, well, we don't know how to – all this data that's coming out. Now, this data is used – sometimes it's used in rocket ships. Sometimes it's used in medicine. Sometimes it's used in therapy. Sometimes it's a pharmaceutical that you're, you and I are taking. But if we can't trust the scientists and the data because they're all manipulators for the money. Mm-hmm. And then you have all of these commentaries on the pharmaceutical industry bribing everybody to, to push their to push their drugs. Uh, they don't want to review the data like with, with COVID. They just said, take the shot. Well, places like pharma, they made $80, $90 billion over us taking shots. And they never really did a study that was tested that could be that could be approved by FDA, assuming that that's that they're honest too. So you've got a point where what is it that you what is it you do? I mean, I can tell you a story of in two thousand and one. The chamber very successfully helped get past a bill called information quality. And the whole purpose of it was the government needs to tell the truth. A very simple concept, just tell the truth. So when you put out a new regulation or you put out a new order or you put out a new um, uh, executive order, whatever you put out, uh, and if it, you've got to put the backup data with it so people can test it to see to make sure it's truthful. Mm-hmm. It got passed, and within two weeks after it got passed, Every agent, every general counsel of every single agency in the entire United States government refused to implement it. And eventually wow. it, just, it just went away. So what that says to me, is when, when, when you have these people, the agency, the head of the agencies and the legal people say, we're not going to do it. What they're saying to the American people is, we're lying and you're going to have to accept it. So I'm at a point where I don't know what's I don't know what's true anymore. I mean, you know, if you listen to MSNBC, you get one story. You listen to Fox, you get another. I'm not sure which is which is true. I, I read a book, and somebody then says, "Well, all the data in the book is false." Well, I, I'm I don't I can't run the data. I mean, after a while, you just give up and you say, "It's well, 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 we we came from a time that uh, <laughs> you know, and and you know, this is general truth. When uh, when someone reported the story in the news, uh, you had a thing called uh, fact checkers, F-A-C-T checkers, and then uh, like on NBC or CBS, something like that, they would verify our stories three or four times, make sure it was actually what they were talking about. Am I right? Right. Absolutely. Now, now nowadays, anybody who can rush out there. It's a rush to who who, who said it first. That's not a competition, you know. 
my name came came up first. You know, uh, I know here in right. St. Louis, we got we got radio TV stations, okay, um, called First News, First News, this, First News, that, First News on the weather, First News, this. Well, one of the stations went, went to the went to court and filed a, you know, a lawsuit, but they used the, the first was their name, but everybody wanted to be first. Yep. You know, to report to report the story, whether it's right or wrong. Yep. And the correction, the correction, the old days was it was on on, on page fifteen, but nowadays, when we to that, they have no place where you can see the retraction at. That's right. And they don't corroborate. the correction. On the correction. Yeah, they don't do any fact checking anymore. It doesn't matter. There's look, there's look, when when you and I grew up, you had your local newspaper. And as you said, you had three stations. That, that was mm-hmm. that was our world. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many go online. How many thousands and thousands and thousands of places can you find your information? Well, John Malone, John Malone, years ago, uh, he used to be head of TCI, and I remember there was this quote, and I thought I said he must be crazy. He said, We're gonna have over five hundred cable stations out there. You know what I mean? And he's pretty much right now. We got probably more than that right now. Yeah. Oh, if thousands, tens of thousands, probably. On the same yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 you probably can't get the same news. You can't. You probably can't get the same subject. No place three times. No, there's been accurate on five different stations. You know, outside yeah. that thousand, you, you may get five that may tell the truth. Yeah, but I don't know what you do. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's it's just exploded. I don't e- I don't even know how you find accurate information anymore. Well, you know, right now, if 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 you if if you if you what if you the person they write about, that's out all the way. Okay, you gonna know it's true. Well, it depends what truth you want out. Guy, mm-hmm. you know, he instead of 
you know, backroom deals where he went in and he negotiated and took whatever they could get and went out and declared victory, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. He actually opened it up and let the workers talk to him, and they had, you know, it, it's always best when you when you're honest and you let people come in. So I think that you know he got a really he got a good deal for his people. Now, having said that, the difficulty with green technology is these batteries in the cars most the cars are mainly batteries are extraordinarily expensive so not only when you buy a car you get this you get the seventy five hundred dollars the discount from the government and the companies give you a discount they're trying to give the cars away because nobody wants them but what they're not really what they're not thinking of is one, you need a lot of few, lot fewer workers for for these cars, so there will be a lot of unemployment, unemployment there. I mean, that's that's going to affect these people. But one of the things nobody's talking about is these batteries are hazardous waste when they're done. They've got all kinds of rare metals in it. So we're now going to have hundreds of millions of electric vehicles with batteries that are two and three thousand pounds. Repeated two and three thousand pounds of metal. They're all going. Where are they going to be? They're going to be sitting in driveways. They're going to be sitting in dumps. Or, where are they going to be sitting? What are we going to do with them? So, it costs. I mean, the only car manufacturer that actually recycles the batteries for you is Tesla, and it costs Tesla roughly six thousand dollars a battery. So, if you buy an electric car, let's say Ira decides to go crazy, and he go goes crazy, out Ira. and buys. Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, that would be too. You go crazy. And he and he buys this electric car, and he runs it for ten years, and the battery goes dead. So now you have a sixty-five thousand dollar car that needs a battery. So instead of getting your brakes fixed or whatever you're getting fixed, you now have a ten, twelve thousand dollar replacement on a car that you've already paid sixty thousand dollars for. So you're at seventy-two thousand dollars by by this time. Then you decide you want to get rid of the car, but nobody will take it because it's got hazardous waste in it. So that's another seven thousand. So you now you're at seventy thousand. And then when you bring it home, you realize you need a charging station, and that's another five thousand for the charging station. Probably another five thousand to put it in. So you're at eighty-five or ninety thousand dollars for a car that really can't run very far because there aren't a lot of charging stations. So after the first two hundred miles or two hundred fifty miles, you better stop at a place that has a charging station, or don't drive the car. So, I mean, I, and it takes fewer workers. So I, I'm not really sure what they're all, all going to do. Uh, nobody's buying these cars. Nobody wants them. They've got, they've got problems. And then the last problem is don't ever get in an accident with them because they, they go on fire. And the fire, the, 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 there was an accident yesterday. I forget where it was, Michigan, I think, where they were trying to put out the fire. They can't put it because of the lithium or something in the batteries. Fire water. You can't water them. You just got to watch it burn out. So the next time you buy an electric, somebody, you think about an electric car, think, think, use your common sense. Just say, why does the government and the industry give me $7,500 or $10,000 to buy this car? Why would anybody do something like that? Well, one, because nobody wants it, so we have to make it a little bit cheaper. Two, they're more expensive. Three, they're going to really hurt employment in the unions because they, they require fewer people. Four, you can't put them out. Five, they're hazardous. I don't know. I mean, go down the list. You're making it. Well, 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 you know, years ago, okay, when I first was had, I'm not sitting in the gate with no cable. He was just in there, uh, local two year, IBW local two year, 
you know, maybe 20, 30 years ago, it was like they were fighting. They, you know, they, they were trying to hold it off as long as possible. Um, I just had an experience with uh, one of my colleagues where we were in, we were actually in Florida, and all the uh, internal combustion engine type rental cars had been rented out. And so he had no choice. And this is with Hertz. You know, Hertz is, the, is number one, they're the leader. And they were, they basically told him, you got to take an electric car or you don't, we don't have any cars for you. And he had never uh, driven or had taken responsibility for an electric car before. And he was just, just saying what a nightmare it was because one, he didn't know how to properly um, operate it in terms of starting and caring for it. Then the other part of it was you have to, just like a regular rental car, you have to bring it back charged up. And oh, my God. Oh, that's... Yeah. And so he was like, oh, my, he was like, oh, my God, because he drove from the airport to the hotel, saw how much the charge went down, then start thinking about, you know, how do I, how do I charge it? Because the hotel doesn't have those type of uh, uh, facilities already, you know, there and equally or where do you have to go? And so that was part of it. The other part of it was just the operations and, and um, the difference of how it handles. And then after he finally found some place to go and get the car charged, it's kind of a little bit like a gas pump where you got to put your credit card in, but it's not your standard credit card interface. And, his card wouldn't be accepted, and uh, he, was, he was really frustrated with it. And some other electric vehicle owner or something said, here, let me just use my card. And his card worked. But um, uh, in, in the case of the original guy, he had to call his bank, and the bank wouldn't approve it. And they're saying, this is unusual, this is abnormal. And finally, by the time he got the car charged up, he took it back to the hotel and just parked it. <laughs> and said, I'm not driving that thing again until um, <laughs> until I'm going to the, to the back to the airport to drop it off. So that was one experience that um, uh, magnified how it's a little bit different when you own one and you've got to go and charge it up and you've got to calculate uh, how far can I go or it dare you plan a trip mm -hmm. or something with it. Uh, and all the, uh, the logistics. So it is different, but more importantly, there are not enough places to stop and get charged up. Yeah, there's um, there no infrastructure. There's no infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. When, when yeah. I did my research, there's no infrastructure for it. And that's a whole key. Well, there's yeah, also the amount of time it takes to, to charge those things. It, doesn't it take, like, hours to charge those things? And, and you're renting well, it, those. That, that, it definitely takes longer than just to fill up a gas tank. And you got to you got to plan for that too, and you got to sit there. And even though they're going to improve and it'll get better, this is the state of, of, of the of, of dealing with it right now. The other part is that we have a a member that got a huge contract for putting in stations across the country, uh, charging stations, but mm -hmm. there's still a lot of uh, issues as it relates to that. And then I'm just coming back from uh, Senegal where they are one of the countries with uh, significant amounts of lithium 
which is the ingredient you need to make batteries. And they're talking about it's still not that easy to trade and do business in um, lithium in, in, in a global market. It's still dominated by uh, a handful of uh, companies and countries uh, that are involved with it. So, it, you know, it will get better and it'll evolve, but it also then... No time soon. No time soon. Yeah, it's going to take time, but it also puts certain people or, or, or entities or countries in key positions. So it's kind of like shifting dependency on all the infrastructure and all the things related to it that kind of takes uh, a lot of the, the market and industry position that the United States has enjoyed for so many years based on uh, you know petroleum and internal combustion engines and, and all that. There's, there's a lot of, uh, lot of dynamics, a lot of implications, and a lot of changes that come along with it. Well, Chuck, on top of that, what happens if these countries decide they don't like the United States and they stop shipping us lithium? <laughs> We've got an entire industry at risk. Absolutely, and that's exactly what's happening. And and based in Washington, <laughs> this is how serious this thing is, or, or, or just a, a hint. The Chinese aren't happy with us right now. And What's one of the little easy things they can do that were really a big public symbol of diplomacy? They called they called the pandas back. Yeah, I mean, that, that, yeah, that's how that's how uh, touchy or sensitive, and it's kind of like, why did they do that? It's almost kind of like uh, you know, law enforcement. Well, why do they hit somebody with the book? Well, because you know, that's what they said. Because they can't. Because all they had to do was say, nah, we don't feel like dealing with you anymore. And so it's a major thing that it was a major attraction for the National Zoo. And all the pandas mm -hmm. in the United States, except for, I think, Atlanta, have maybe another year left on theirs. They're, I, mm -hmm. I hate to say, like, lease, but their agreement. They were lease. And, they were and they were, yeah, and, and, a, and a return to it. And that's how, but that's how strict or focus the relationship was that you're not allowed if they if they are allowed to 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 breed or to have you know have a cub it still remains the property of china so if you look at something like that don't even imagine how the manufacturing and the rare mineral they're, they're going to really totally control any intellectual properties or any uh, reciprocity they have over anything for original uh, products and, and, and equipment. So, um, you know, you asked me about uh, electric vehicles. Yeah, it, you know, it's I, I really don't think we're going to be able to get away from, uh, all, you know, whatever alternatives we have. And, and, and still you're going to need batteries even if you start using uh Drones. That's a big. That's a big thing now. If it's a, well, I forgot. They're vertical vehicles or something like that. You know, they're they're putting aero ports for taxis and things. I think somewhere in Texas right now they're, they're testing. Uh, but again, those are all based on batteries. You know, even aircraft being uh, um, re uh, repowered by battery or solar, or other types of uh, energy sources. 
Well, I hope wow. they're under a bad storm and get diverted and can't fly any longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I tell you what, right now, uh, Chuck just got back from a, from this from the, from a grand tour on a, on a trade mission with the chamber. So we're going to thank you right now, Bill, for the time you spent with Okay, us, thank you very much. See you later. Bill, let's talk soon. Love you, Bill. Good to okay. hear from you. Bye. Okay, same thing. We'll be talking real life. Yes, okay. I just told you. I just read it in my lesson. Yes, you did. I read all of it in the lesson today. Yes, you did. What they doing? Yes, they doing. This is Chucky Bone. This is Chucky Bone. Welcome home, first of all. Well, yeah, welcome, Chuck. Thank you. You know, it was a blink of an eye, but man, so much, so much in just getting out here and, uh, you know, everything is between here and there. And I mean, it's like in my case, there was only one direct flight uh, every few days or so out of uh, JFK Airport, New York. This is a six-hour flight. Well, I couldn't get that one. So the next best thing I did, it took me 29 hours. What? To get there. Oh man, it was it was something else. But you live and you learn. You know? No, okay. No, first off, first off, first off, so let's back up, okay? We even on a part of a trade delegation. Let's talk about that first. Okay, let's talk about that first. We talk about you know, the. Uh, it, we're, we're, well, we we classified it as a fact finding mission, and what that okay. means is that it is not uh, as formal or premeditated or organize the plan like a formal trade mission. This was just to go and explore it, meet the people, kind of see how they operate and what they do. And it was totally five of us, which is which was really good. But in this case, it went it went excellent. We were treated very, very well. Uh, we were we were actually provided presidential cars and uh, there were two people to a car. So we had like three, uh, there were black Audi A6s, uh, long wheel base. I mean, they were, they were nice cars, but they had drivers and they had, you know, and, and they don't stop. I mean, it's like, a, it's like we got behind the president in a motorcade. Uh, he was going down the street. We were pulling out of our hotel, going to some meetings and man, we just jumped in with him. And like, the, you know, they, we took pictures, the whole road was cleared. Just like they do here in the United States. Uh, otherwise, it was bumper to bumper rush hour. But they had cleared the whole streets, and we were zipping around there. And, and I mean, and you know, we appreciated it. But at the same time, you know, in life, you got to always realize what's the what's the other side of this. And the other right. side of it is there's presidential elections coming up, and it's 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 not uncommon. I won't say it's common, but it's not uncommon for the incumbent president to find a reason to put the challenging the, the candidate in jail so they had that going on it's going on in about five or six different african countries now but they'll find a reason they'll put them in jail for a minute people will protest or whatever and eventually they let them out but it's to it's to hinder uh the election process and a little bit similar, like what we're seeing here with uh, I, 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 and all that. I know, I'm about, I'm about, about to say right now, uh, Donald Trump did an interview this past week, I want to say, when he said, you know, that he, he was saying, okay, what he would do 
he would have the FBI somebody go down there and, you know, and get his opponent, okay? And then that's well, you know what? Let's, let's put, let me, let me make a note on one thing, and we'll come back to it, because I can abbreviate this trip real quick. But uh, everybody watching what's going on in New York. With, uh, oh, my God, uh, yes. Yeah, with the mayor. The mayor. The, the mayor. So, I don't know if you noticed it or, or not, maybe two weeks ago. The mayor of New York was saying, oh, my God, Biden administration, we can't take it anymore. We're getting how many thousands of these uh, uh, illegal immigrants in here, and they don't put them in hotels, they feed, you know, right. they're trying to get them jobs, they're getting uh, work permits, all kinds of stuff is going on crazy. And he went out and publicly said, you know, it's the Biden administration's fault. And boy, don't you know, two weeks later, here's the FBI knocking on his door. You know, so anyway, that's a pit in that. On this trip, it went very well. There's uh, a lot of opportunities, a lot of things we'll be talking about in the future, but we're going to take a formal trade delegation back uh, probably in the spring or at least after this presidential election. But what they did uh, and the reason they wanted it to come before the election, because the existing administration that you met with us in Atlanta, um, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, national uh, agency for promotion and investment. They're called Apex. And they said, no, come in now. We'll sign an agreement with you. And that way it will carry you over into the new administration because we okay. will honor, we honor our, uh, foreign investors, foreign deals and all that kind of thing. So we signed. Yes, what country did you go to? Oh, I'm sorry. Senegal, Senegal, okay. which is, uh, West Africa which is a French-speaking country that has uh, been a stable democracy uh, for probably one of the longest runs of all the countries that at one time were French colonies. And they mm -hmm. had uh, gotten their independence and their economic stability has been evolving and uh, they've got a strong economic growth uh, and mm -hmm. it's a very attractive thing, but it's probably one of the next up and coming areas in on the continent of Africa for uh, particularly for America to do to, to be able to go in and do business. Yeah, so, I mean, we, 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 we can land. I went to, I went to that session that we had with Senegal, you know what I'm saying? And I just was amazed, okay, you know, just you know what you just said there. How how often they are, you know, to uh, to people coming there and what you get there, you know, how things you know, you know it's it's a good case they want to go like that. Well, in, in a number of reasons, the other the other things that I was impressed with was that um, the, not only are they most everybody speaks English too, um, mm -hmm. but they're very warm and welcome for African Africans. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. and they're very supportive of the collaborative uh, of working together, and yes. and they're and they're at that point where they want to manage and control their own. Uh, assets and resources. That was mm -hmm. one of the big things like about, uh, and it isn't just lithium on the batteries. I mean, what was other things? Gold, diamonds. There's probably about six rare earth minerals that they have. Um, another big one they talked about, they want to be able to start producing their own steel. So you need iron ore to do that, but you need a, it's kind of like you need a steel mill. And you got to have uh, a lot of energy and to process it. Mm -hmm. You know, and while I was there, a uh, 
and this is really interesting. I was taken into a private meeting with the uh, vice president of Sierra Leone, and he Whoa. was he was very he you know was in his hotel room. <laughs> you know what the guy that our host he was head of the uh, investment uh, agency. And he says, "Well, come on, I, I, want, I want you to go somewhere with me." And I, I just said, "Okay." Went with him, and next thing I know, we're in this room. It's just the three of us. And the wow, that, that vice, yeah, yeah, the vice president of Sierra Leone is saying, you know, we're really impressed with you guys. We'd really like to work with you. We're trying to look at uh, how we're going to take command of our own natural resources. And I mean, he says, yeah, we got gold, we got diamonds. That's okay. And you know, if you want to do something on that, that's fine. But we really need you to help us on this collaborative thing we're going to do on making steel, because in order for us to get steel now, we've got to ship our iron ore 1800 miles away to some other country where it's uh, uh, economically favorable because of natural gas or other energy type uh, sources to be able to uh, run, a, run a plant and they said well, we could do it here in Senegal but we need to build this plant and so we uh, would like you to collaborate with us on how we could go about pulling some of these things off so there's a whole list of stuff that is related to this uh, collaborative element uh, and then mm -hmm. we already knew that we were uh, been, been, being, uh, being recruited to come to uh, Cote d'Ivoire which is the Ivory Coast and then uh, they were trying to get me to leave uh, Senegal and go to uh, Morocco with uh, the investment uh, agency for a banking uh, thing and at the same time we had other members of the NBCC were uh, representing us at the uh, AGOA conference in South Africa. So we had, there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of moving parts and pieces, and uh, we're doing our best to just kind of cherry pick where, what, how to best utilize our resources and our time for the best of that. But um, certainly in, in, the, in the quick uh, thing, low hanging fruit is uh, agriculture. There's 23,000 hectares. A hectare is 2.4 acres. And they've got 23,000 that they want us to work with them on uh, developing all the way from, I, I call it from scoop to nuts or dirt, from making the soil right, uh, uh, growing high hybrid, uh, high quality uh, products, everything from uh, fruit and vegetables to a big one that's that's shifted and, and we talk about the wars and things going on the grain production from the ukraine has uh, essentially almost stopped because of the war and so all these countries including the u.s are now having to shift and uh find other places to to cultivate their crops and and, and replace the, the supply that they were that we're not getting any longer from ukraine it's 258 folks Sorry. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and so agriculture is a big one. Uh, 100,000 houses for affordable housing, uh, technology. Uh, one of the companies that went with us was a drone uh, drone company. They're looking at getting a huge contract uh, for everything from agricultural applications to uh, inspecting pipelines to monitoring traffic, doing security wow. at the airport. Uh, it's, it's a lot of different things going. So um, I'm sitting here this afternoon trying to put some summary of it all together so I can try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 